You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time. It's time to hit the ice, Penguin fans. Chris Mack had you covered with all the news and notes surrounding, surrounding your Penguin. Only on 5th Avenue Faceoff. Welcome in another episode of Fifth Avenue Faceoff, Odyssey and 93.7 The Fans Pittsburgh Hockey Podcast. I'm Chris Mack. We will talk to Kayla Canaram, uh, in arena host for the LA Kings a little bit later because there's a huge thing going on Saturday night in LA that if you're getting ready to sit down and watch the Pens game late on East Coast time, you're going to want to know about because who knows when this thing's going to get started. It sounds like it's going to be elaborate to say the least. Also, we'll talk to Matt Benzel of the Post-Gazette to give us a Penguins view of things. A couple people could be headed back into the lineup this weekend for them, but pleased to be joined by Scott Burnside, NHL insider. Scott, thanks so much for making the time today because with the trade deadline a couple weeks away, we're counting on your expertise to give us hope that Ron Hextall will not remain stuck on the back of that milk carton we just saw at the store. <laughs> well, you know, you can only do what you can do. And, uh, right. you know, the salary cap makes uh you know makes for a challenge for all 32 nhl teams there's no no question about that sometimes the salary cap issues are self-inflicted sometimes you've inherited them sometimes you know the issues uh, you know appear out of out of nowhere so it you know it 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 is a challenging time but it is you know for a team like the pittsburgh penguins that you know, with a new ownership and making a decision in the offseason to return future Hall of Famer Evgeny Malkin and maybe future Hall of Famer Chris Letang, and you, you know, you chart a course that way, um, you know, you you approach the March 3rd trade deadline with certain limitations. You know, basically right. it's going to be dollar in, dollar out if you're going to try and address issues um uh, you know, on the lineup, unless you can bury some salary on LTIR or, you know, to me, it's, you know, the challenge for Ron Hextall and his staff is do you, you know, can you find someone, you know, you move one piece to, you know, create some space to add a different piece that maybe is more meaningful, you know, to you or for you. Um, but it's complicated, it, you know, the flat cap, you know, and the cap's going to stay the same roughly, you know, for the next year or so, and then go up. I think the expectation, it goes up pretty quickly after next season, but in the here and now for teams like the Pittsburgh Penguins, it's a real challenge come trade deadline. And and we've seen some teams already who have some cap flexibility, you know, New York Rangers being one of them um, and the New York Islanders, you know, making a, a big ad with Bo Horvat, you know, the, the movement has already started to happen and it's happened in the metropolitan division, which has to make mm-hmm. Pittsburgh Penguins fans nervous. Yeah, and I think, you know, you cite the Tarasenko deal. It's happened with some retained salary on the selling team's part in, in St. Louis's case. So I guess uh, this is a bit of a double-barreled question, but 
do we expect to see more sellers be willing to retain that salary as the Blues did with, I believe, half of Tarasenko's cap hit uh, in order to get a sweeter deal? Um, and should that, I guess, in effect, make the Tarasenko deal maybe the lighting of the wick for things to get moving, especially if guys like Ron Hextall are willing to give back draft pick compensation, which he's said he's not willing to, but we'll see if that's a bluff or not, in exchange for retained salary. Yeah, yeah, and I think we've, you know, this has been a trend, especially during the flat cap era, you know, during the whole COVID situation. And where, you know, instead of, you know, following a natural arcing upwards of the salary cap, which, you know, um, you know, teams like Pittsburgh, which always spend to the cap, um, you know, could rightfully expect, well, that has changed how teams have had to approach things. And it certainly has created a situation where, A, a selling team like the St. Louis Blues retaining salary on Vladimir Tarasenko um, and, you know, have to are willing to and have to be willing to retain salary in order to get the best return. And for a lot of those teams, all it is is money for them. And, mm-hmm. and that's that's OK. You're selling for a reason, right? You're selling because, you know, in Vancouver's case, they're, you know, in trading Bo Horvat, you know, they're in a, a period of transition. Um, you know, we, we know that the blues, the way they've played, um, you know, this is a team and Doug Armstrong, the GM there has never been afraid to make the hard call about, listen, if this isn't a Stanley cup worthy team, then we are going to make the changes and, and we're going to see what else happens with the blues. I see Ryan O'Reilly is back skating. He's on an expiring, uh, contact, uh, contract. Uh, I'm in Barbashev, another useful player. So, you know, these are teams that I think expect that they will have to give something in terms of the money and the cap hit in order to get the max return. And both, you know, Horvat and um, uh, Tarasenko come with conditional first round picks or first round picks with various conditions attached to them. But the first round pick is the key for players of that caliber. You know, I don't know if the Penguins are, you know, it's hard to imagine a situation where they're going to be able to command a high, you know, Yes, if your if your first round pick is on the table, then then you can you can have a you can take a swing at pretty much everyone who's out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're not willing to go that you know that step, then it is going to become increasingly difficult. And again, with the Penguins cap salary structure, then it becomes more of you know are you looking at trying to acquire a player who has term and then moving assets out in, in order to create not just a, an addition for this potential playoff run but also for the future. And I think that's where, you know, a lot of teams would love, you know, Jacob Chitron's name, uh, you know, out of Arizona has been in the wind for like two and a half years. He's a guy who's got high skill, has some injury issues, but he's got a good cap hit and he's got term left on his deal. Well, of course he's going to be a popular guy because it's not just, you're not just acquiring someone from March 3rd to, you know, whatever, June 3rd, whatever it is. Right. And so that's important. Timo Myers, another guy, um, might be the most talented player with all due respect to Tarasenko and Horvat and Patrick Kane and the rest. Timo Meyer has such huge upside. He's 26 years old, but he's also due a $10 million qualifying offer. Right. Um, but that's why I think you're hearing teams like Carolina and New Jersey you know, who connected to Timo Meyer because he's a player that might be able to fit long-term in those emerging teams. You know, to me, it's hard to imagine, you know, could Ron Hextall somehow find a way to bring in Timo Meyer? Probably doesn't, it's not a real fit, right? It doesn't really fit for them, but 
you know, a Trichron, does that make more sense for a team moving forward, looking to add a defensive piece, move, you know, long-term as well as for this playoff run? I, I'm sure that all of those options are there, but it's a difficult challenge for, for Ron Hexel and other GMs who are in a similar cap situation. Well, yeah, I was going to ask you because in, in Pittsburgh, the feeling that a lot of people have is, oh, this deadline's going to be underwhelming for a lot of the reasons you've mentioned, right? The limited cap space, um, the 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 ability to retain salary on some teams' parts who are willing to sell, and also Hextall standing firm on the position, at least publicly, that he doesn't want to move on from that first-round pick. But let's say all the all the stars align, and Ron Hextall is bluffing, and he's willing to move on a first-round pick. Uh, and he's able to get a team to retain more salary than maybe they would usually be comfortable retaining. Um, can, can Penguin fans, is it reasonable for them to expect, hey, we're not just getting a depth forward. Ron Hextall may actually be going out and looking to make another, similar to last year, a Ricard Raquel type deal. Um, it, it, because he's he's been very good, Ron Hextall, we're not used to this. Again, after years of Jim Rutherford, he's been very good at holding his cards close to the vest, right? Um, and so I think there are those fans that hold out hope that there, there is still maybe a Timo Meyer deal that could somehow be pulled off, that they could somehow uh, sell the farm for Dylan Larkin if the Red Wings were ever interested in moving on. You know, there are, there are fans that hope that he, there's still something out there and that they're not going to wake up on March 3rd and go, eh, this is the team that we have. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, never say never. I mean, the great thing about the NHL is that you, you know, the things that you – you know, sometimes least expect to have happen, happen. So, you know, and, and there are, I think we're well past the idea of no contract is untradeable now. So, you know, I, I think the potential is always there for all these kinds of things. Um, you know, I, you know, for me, when I look at the Penguins though, I mean, it, it, does it really matter what Ron Hextall does between now and March 3rd? You know, if to me, it still goes back to the issue that has plagued this team for the last two or three years. What's your goaltending going to look right, like? Right. Um, you know, Tristan Jar, if he's healthy, I think gives the Penguins, you know, they're a team that you wouldn't want to play in the playoffs. And and I think, the, you know, when you look at the last two playoff years, they were the better team in the first round the last two years. And the goaltending, whether it was level of play or whether it was, you know, multiple injuries at the worst possible time, the goaltending cost this franchise at least one playoff round victory in sure. each of the last two years. And so if you aren't, you know, and if you're Ron Hexel and your staff and you're looking, and I know Tristan Jari is expected back sooner than later. And it, and that if that, you know, better now than in, you know, third week of March, first two weeks of April, obviously, but you know, to me, you have to really look with an honest, you know, sort of candor about what your team is really, uh, you know, what are they capable of doing? And let's, you know, let's assume that the Penguins, uh, if they are a playoff team, and that's not a guarantee, if they're a playoff team, they're going to be a wild card team given the separation of the top three in the Metro. So now you're going to play either Boston or Carolina in the first round. Can you, you know, with a healthy Tristan Jari, can you expect to beat either of those teams in a best of seven? And if you believe that you can, then I think it behooves you to try and make the move that you can to add a top six forward if you can make all those you know, moving parts work. But if, if you if you're in your heart of hearts say, you know what, those are two really good teams, and I'm not gonna I'm gonna keep my powder dry, and we're gonna see what happens, you know, during free agency and the offseason, the draft, 
and we're going to, you know, we're going to take another run at it next year. You know, it's for the, those teams in that gray slushy area. I mean, the Islanders are a perfect example. You know, in my mind, Lou Lamorello, this is, you got to swing for the fences. Team is old. They can't score. They have the best goaltender in the NHL this season, Sorokin. Um, but, you know, in some ways you're wasting him because you don't score enough to be a legitimate playoff team. And even though you add Bo Horvat, which I thought, you know, they paid a lot for it for Bo Horvat. He's already made paid dividends. I don't know if they're a playoff team or not. There's, you know, you've got Florida, you've got Pittsburgh, you've got Washington, you've got Buffalo coming. Florida is coming. There's only room for two of those teams. So, you know, the Islanders push their chips in, you know, but that's because they have a healthy, solid goaltender. And, and Ron Hexel's right. in a much different spot when you have to make that hard call, I think. Yeah, I, I, you know what? You distilled it down to its very essence. It's something that as much as we talk about their their lack of depth scoring or, uh, you know, wh- wh- who's going to play on the top line with Crosby or all the other things we talk about, you're, you're, you hit the nail on the head. It always comes back to, is Tristan Jari going to be a guy that can steal them a series? Because that's what they're going to need, especially as you point out, in, with the standings aligned as they are right now in the Eastern Conference against a Carolina or a Boston. And, and even if he does, how long are you for the playoffs, even if you're able to somehow get through one of those two teams? And I don't know if they're really set up to get through a Boston, especially. One thing I wanted to leave you with and ask you about, um, I, the, the, the noise is very loud out in Denver the last 24 to 48 hours after the collision between Jeff Carter and uh, Kale McCarr. Um, there are people that are adamant that Jeff Carter should be disciplined somehow. I, I've yet to hear anything from the league or the Department of Player Safety um, you know, it's, I'm just curious what your perspective is on this from a neutral perspective of, you know, a young guy. Look, we went through this years ago with Sidney Crosby in Pittsburgh. He takes, a, you know, the collision with Steckel at the winter classic, um, that led to his prolonged absence. And it, it, to be honest, it's very, very similar in my mind anyway, to the Jeff Carter, Kale McCarr hit that we had here the other night. Uh, again, from a neutral perspective, what's your view on that? And is it something the league should be looking at? Yeah, I, I didn't like it. Didn't like the hit at all. And I, I thought there was an obvious path for Jeff Carter to, you know, to in that play and to swing away from Makar without having that kind of contact. It doesn't have the pockets away from the play. Uh, there was a way for, you know, if I look at that and I think there's no reason for that contact, um, you know, and again, it's not called on the ice. Again, it's away from the play. It's, it's disappointing that there is not a, an immediate response from the on-ice officials. Um, you know, supplemental discipline, um, you know, especially given the injury. You know, now Makar is not going to play again on this road trip that they're on. Who knows when he comes back? Um, you know, if, if you had given Jeff Carter a game, I think most people not you know, who didn't have an ax to grind one way or the other would have felt that was okay. I always look at it this way. And you, and, and it's such a great point, Chris, that, you know, and I was in attendance for the night that Dave Steckel clipped Sidney Crosby. Mm-hmm. I think this is actually a little bit more overt. Um, but I always say to myself, if this had happened, if this play is reversed and it's Chris Letang who gets clipped by, Call it Jason Zucker or whoever it is, it, or it's not Jason Zucker. If he gets clipped by, uh, you know, Nathan McKinnon or, right. you know, whoever it is, Pogliano, what's the response from the organization and from the fan base in Pittsburgh? If this is Crystal Tang on the receiving end of something similar, 
And I think you'd want some response because it was unnecessary and it's to the head. And now you have arguably the best defenseman in the world who's unable to play from a, a careless blow to the head. And I'm sure Jeff Carter didn't mean to injure Kale McCarr, but he did not need to make the contact in the way that he did. And, you know, it would be nice to see the NHL, you know, have a response to that. And I think the I think this game is so much different than even five or six years ago, where we talked often about you know, hits from behind, the blows to the head, the you know rule forty eight and the blind side. I think we see a lot less of that now. And I think when you do see it now, it does make you perk up and say, "Geez, what are, what are we going to do about that? What's the league right. going to do?" And I think it's disappointing if the league does nothing. I would assume I would have assumed we'd know by now. Yeah, uh, it, I, it's a, it was an avoidable hit. And it was a bit on the sneaky, dirty side. And especially that we're talking one of the game's marquee players. That's, you can't have that. It, it, yeah. it shouldn't happen that way. And I think it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate for the game, certainly for the Avs and their fans. It's, it's, you know, it's a huge blow. There's a team, likewise, fighting for a playoff berth in the Western Conference. And now without their best defenseman, who knows how long, that's pretty ugly. Yeah, and having to deal with a bunch of injuries to the, to some of the top players on that roster throughout the year as well. It's definitely interesting when you when we put it in the perspective of flipping things around as you did there, Scott. Thanks so much for taking the time today. It was great to catch up with you again. Uh, at Overtime Scott B on Twitter is where you find him. Burnside on Hockey. Uh, great newsletter and website that will keep you up to date on all of the insider rumblings around the league. As always, Scott, it's great to catch up with you. Thanks so much for the time. Enjoy the weekend. Chris, anytime. Hopefully we'll catch up with Scott Burnside again, maybe right around the trade deadline a few weeks from now or just after it to get his assessment of how the Penguins and Ron Hextall handled things. Uh, What does Matt Venzel think of the way Ron Hextall and the Penguins are handling things? And should we expect some names back in the lineup this weekend while they're out west? Matt Venzel covers the Penguins, does an exceedingly good job of doing so for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. He joins us next right here on Fifth Avenue Faceoff. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time. It's time to hit the ice, Penguin fans. Chris Mack had you covered with all the news and notes surrounding, surrounding your Penguin. Only on 5th Avenue Faceoff. Chris Mack of the Fan Morning Show and Sports Radio 93.7 The Fan. This is our new Pittsburgh Hockey Podcast. It is 5th Avenue Faceoff. We talked to Kayla Canaram out in L.A. about the Kings and what the Pens should expect Saturday night at crypto.staples.com backslash arena in just a couple of minutes. But first, 
Matt Bensel of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette covers the Penguins and joins us now. Matt, thanks for taking the time to do so. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. You still have yet to get me on the ice for one of those uh, uh, pickup sessions out in Cranberry, but I will I will be there. I promise. Uh, I, I will be out there and you can skate circles around me just like Mirzi and gets off to when we get out there. I look forward to it. Um, just it's hard it, during hockey season. It's hard to find time. It is. Take it easy on me, too. I'm an old man now. I'm in my 40s. So uh, let me start with this. Uh, out West, should we expect the Pens to get Tristan Jari and or Jan Ruda back in the lineup? And if so, what do you expect the domino effect to be on the rest of the lineup? Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be close just kind of based on their participation patterns. I mean, Ruda can't come off uh, long-term injured reserve until the Sharks game. So we know for a fact that he won't be back before then. Um, Jari, it sounds like he was still a little bit limited in practice, but he's a goalie. That's obviously different. Uh, guys shouldn't be checking him in practice. So um, so it, it's really just a comfort thing. But the fact that he's back in the team practice, both these guys are, they're on the trip. Um, that bodes well that if they at least don't make it back on this trip, um, you know, maybe next week for that big Islanders game at the very latest. So, yeah, I think they're getting close. And and obviously, we don't need to say much about Tristan Jari. Getting your, your starting goalie back is huge. I know Casey played well in that Colorado game, but um, his play has been really sporadic this year. And then with Ruda, yeah, I, I think it's just another guy who's going to help their PK uh, settle in on third pair. I mean, I think Chad Ruedel has done a, a passable job like he does every time coming in. But getting Ruta back on that third pair is just, you know, they're finally going to knock on wood. They're probably going to have an injury tonight because I'm saying this, but they could get their full complement players back on defense. And, and that's huge for them. You, you know, I was just talking with Scott Burnside and he, he kind of brought it back to center for the perspective on this team, which was, we could talk about everything else. We could talk about the depth forwards. We could talk about uh, what they may or may not do at the deadline. It all kind of comes back to how the goaltending performs in the playoffs. And so, I guess with Jari staring down unrestricted free agency, Casey DeSmith playing as he has this year at times, he's flashed some brilliance, but most of the time it's been uh, less brilliant than last year. Certainly. Um, Do they feel comfortable? You think Matt with their long-term situation at goaltender? Well, I I do know that they like Tristan. They want to keep Tristan. I, I don't think these injuries that have popped up over the last you know year or so will give them too much pause because it's not like this guy has a long track record of injuries. So they believe in Tristan. Um, I also think it's smart of them to just play it out. I mean, if he gets into the playoffs and he's healthy and we have a you know he, he does what he did a couple of years ago against the Islanders and he melts down, um, no harm, no foul. Then maybe look for it then. But. You know, I, I think they're pretty comfortable knowing that, that Tristan is is a top 10 goalie, probably somewhere around that 8 to 12 range. And um, he shows good upside where he can get hot for stretches and, and you know, carry the team for a few weeks. And they're going to need that this year. So I think they are comfortable with him. I don't know about Casey. I also don't know what they can really do about it at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they have needs. I, I don't know if this team's worth investing in. And if you're going to make a move at the deadline, is it, it really help the upside of the team to – to switch out backup goalies right now. So that might be more of something they deal with at the off season if, if Casey continues down this path. But I do think they want to, they want to hang on to Tristan and, and we'll see if he can earn that contract by getting them into the playoffs and playing well. So when I was a kid, I used to love, I don't know if you ever came upon these at the library or at the scholastic book fair, like I did, but those choose your own adventure books. Sure. Right? Okay. So let's choose our own adventure with the future of, of the goaltending position in Tristan Jari. Let's, let's choose, let's go down the path first of 
They get the playoffs as a wild card, but they get stuck with Boston or Carolina. They get bounced in five or six. And it's not Tristan Jari's fault, but he doesn't really do enough to steal a series, which I think would be nearly impossible against Boston anyway. But that aside, that's the first choose-your-own-adventure path. The second choose-your-own-adventure path is Tristan Jari plays out of his mind. And regardless of what their seeding looks like in the first round, they get through a round, maybe even upset a Carolina in the first round and go on and they catch, uh, I don't know, maybe they catch a young Jersey Devils team, right? And they beat them. And they get to the conference finals. And Tristan Jari is flying high, stealing games here and there, nearly a full round in the first round. And they're still staring down the possibility of him going to unrestricted free agency. Where where does it go when we get to the end of the season, regardless of the outcome? Will there be, especially if Jari plays well, some sort of in a league where goaltending is so valuable, and especially if if he were to play well in the playoffs, do they get to a point where they can't bring him back? Yeah, I don't know if it's going to get to that point. I mean, I think it would have to take, a, a you know, one of those magical cut runs. I mean, as good as Jari has been, um, you know, he still hasn't really been in that Vezina, you know, kind of conversation. Mm-hmm. He plays really well. Like, he has a six-week stretch every year where he's great. Um, but then the rest of his numbers, the rest of the year are pretty good, but not great. So, I mean, I do think there'd be interest. There's not, you know, a lot, you know, a lot of teams are looking for goaltending. He would probably be the top goalie in the market. Um, but I, it's not like this is a guy who's going to go out there and command, you know, more than six, $7 million a year. So I kind of think that's where the price range is. And I do think the Penguins will find a way to get it done if they want to get it done. It's just a question of what are they going to do? I mean, they've shown a willingness to stretch out on term to make the annual value work. And it might be a situation like that where they're giving Tristan maybe t- more term than they want to give them just to make the money work. So they, they aren't completely and totally capped out once they get the goaltending figured out. Well, that's an interesting question then, because let's say they have to go to, like you said, six or seven a year to keep uh, Tristan Jari around next year. They've still got Kapanen on the books. They've still got Carter on the books, both of them more than 3 million. They've got uh, McGinn, on the books, just under three million. Um, do will they have enough space going into next year? And we don't know what the cap will look like. Who knows? Um, but is this team going to have enough wiggle room? I guess. And we're getting ahead of ourselves just a bit talking about the off season. But let's just approach it from the perspective of the deadline. Um, do they have enough wiggle room that even if they get some team, let's let, let's go let's go down the Timo Meyer path since we're talking choose your own adventure books again. Uh, let's go down the Timo Meyer path. Would they be able to get San Jose to retain enough salary? And even let's say Ron Hextall is willing to deal a first round pick. Would they be able to do that? And then bringing back a young piece on a restricted free agent deal going into the offseason, keep that piece around um, if they do commit long-term to say Tristan Jari. No, <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, I, I was looking at the numbers before I came on, and, and Cap Friendly has them at around $20 million in cap space, and that's with Zucker being a free agent, Dumoulin, mm-hmm. Jari, Bluger, um, several guys. So not to say that any one of those guys is irreplaceable. The point is is that you know they've got $20 million. That sounds like a lot, but they gotta they got to plug a lot of holes again. So, yeah, it's hard to see them. I, I think if they were to do the unexpected and bring in a long-term piece, kind of like what they did with Raquel, where they mm-hmm. bring in a guy and sign him, it would definitely make it very difficult um, to fit in Jari as well. And that's why they're kind of in a tough spot, because there's no 
there's no real plan B within the organization. I mean, Joel Blomquist um, drafted him a couple of years ago. He's, he's a few years away from the league. Uh, I like Philip Lindbergh a lot. Uh, the guy who's down at Wilkes, um, college free agent signee. Mm -hmm. He got hurt last year, missed most of last year, and is still trying to find his game. So it's not like he's going to be ready to step in. So, yeah, internally, there's not a great option. And then if you do move on from Jari, um, I don't know what else is out there. I mean, maybe you have to trust your scouting department and, and find one of those like underused backups that maybe has more upside. But um, yeah, it's, it's uh, I think if it comes down to it, they're, they're probably going to want to get that goalie locked in as opposed to, um, you know, another another top forward that can can kind of give them a little bit more punch in the the, the middle six. Well, with the deadline approaching then, that sounds like a team that's going to be focused on bringing in a third-line center. Um, what is out there that's realistic, Matt, if we're not talking about pulling in a top-six forward and maybe reshuffling the third line by sliding Zucker down? If that, if all of that is, for the most part, unrealistic, and I, I tend to agree with you that it, that it is because I don't know how creative they can get, um, what is the plan at third-line center? What can they bring in to lend some stability to that third line given the fact that uh, Jeff Carter, Kasperi Kapanen, and Brock McGinn have been so disappointing. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right that that third line is is what they will and ultimately should look at. I mean, I think they're pretty set on D. The goaltending is what it is. Top six is great. It's just there's not a lot out there, especially when you consider just what you talked about with Scott in terms of the resources available in the cap situation. I mean, you're looking at like Max Domi types. I mean, guys that mm. are – did some good things, flawed players. I mean, Max Domi would, would give him a guy who could drive play, which I think they desperately need on the third line, but he's also a big time defensive liability. So is that something that the Penguins would want to take on? So just in terms of like, kind of like their price point and shopping, I, I just don't know uh, if there's going to be one guy out there that, you know, really changes the trajectory of this team. I mean, I think if this team's going to go on a run, it's going to, need a lot of internal improvement and some tweaks, but I do think you're looking at maybe a guy like Max Domi, not, not saying him, like they're linked to him, but like that kind of caliber and kind of in terms of a guy who does some good things, but he is also flawed. And you kind of have to hope you, you hit on the right guy who brings you what you need to that group. So more of the same from the third line. It sounds like guys who are inherently flawed. That's, but they need somebody who at least can, can drive some offensive play. I mean, yeah. And agreed. I, I kind of think, if you're going to do something, maybe you have to live with the fact that it, it may be a defensive liability, but you got to have a different look, a guy who brings a little bit of, of offensive Punch. juice yeah. uh, and they just don't have it. But, but it's also like they, they could use a guy like he's not a center, but like Jordan Greenway from the wild is out there. And um, he's, he was benched by them recently. Um, the wild is looking to move guys out, but I mean, even a guy like him who could, bring some juice in a different way. I mean, they just have too many guys. It's not even just the scoring. I mean, they just have too many guys who aren't bringing like literally anything. anything. <laughs> um, so I don't know if they'd want to go to that route, um, but there, there are different ways that can look to kind of alter the group and get more out of the bottom six besides scoring. Well, I will let you run. Enjoy those uh, West Coast games this weekend. We will catch up with you again soon. I appreciate the insights on where they're sitting right now with the deadline just a few weeks away. Matt Venzel covers the Penguins for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, does so exceedingly well, and we appreciate you making the time. Anytime. Again, check Matt out on Twitter. It sounds like he'll have some insights as to where the Penguins are going at the deadline. Uh, don't expect any great shakes, though. I know we all are hoping that they'll make some kind of big power move, bringing the top six forward like they did with Ricard Raquel a year ago, but sounds increasingly unlikely that that'll be the case. 
uh, at Matt Bensel on Twitter. We go out west to talk about what the Pens can expect Saturday night in L.A. Kayla Canaram, in arena host for the L.A. Kings, joins us next on Fifth Avenue Faceoff. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com This this is Fifth Avenue Face-Off. Welcome back in. You get us wherever you get your podcasts, including inside your Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. This is Fifth Avenue Faceoff. I'm Chris Mack. Uh, and be sure to subscribe as well so you get all the episodes delivered to you as soon as they are ready. Uh, Kayla Canaram, she's the in-arena host for the LA Kings, also my friend from the BetQL Network. Kayla, how are you? Are you ready for what is – sound? it sounds like this is going to be an exceedingly long ceremony on Saturday <laughs> night for Dustin Brown. Is that what we're looking at? Yes. First of all, doing well, Chris. Great to be with you, pal. I know we do a betting yep. show together. You guys are fancy over here. I do a um, <laughs> another podcast for Odyssey for the Chiefs, and we've never had a guest. <laughs> so well, this is... When you're doing a podcast by yourself, it could be me talking to the wall Oh, you're for by yourself? Just me and you right now, friend. Oh, okay. Well, that changes things. Yes, it you does. definitely need guests then. Okay. <laughs> Uh, no, we are in for a treat on Saturday. The momentum going into this game, for those of you that don't know, it is Dustin Brown night. We have been yes. kicking things off beginning of last week, I feel like. Um, retiring, his, retiring his jersey, statue unveiling, the whole thing. Do you want me to go through the whole rundown? Well, yeah, you're, you're, you share what you're allowed to share because you're privy to like the timeline and stuff. And look, we're all back in the Eastern, I shouldn't say all, most of us consuming this podcast or a part of it are back in the Eastern time zone and we see 1030 listed, right? But we know what 1030 <laughs> means, especially when there's a statue unveiling, a number retirement ceremony, it's LA. So everyone shows up late anyway. So like this thing may not get started till like eight o'clock Pacific, 11 Eastern, right? You nailed it. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this. My call time's three. Um, but no, we've got a fan fest going from four to six doors open at five. The ceremony is going to start at 6.05 and it's going to last an entire hour. Uh, fans are encouraged to be in their seats by 6 o'clock Pacific time. The statue ceremony is going to take place at 7.45 Pacific. And you guessed it, puck drop is 8.05. Fans were told 7.30. But wow. yeah, it's going to be an eventful night. Like I said, they're retiring Dustin Brown's number, um, his jersey, statue unveiling, all the things. Wayne Gretzky is rumored to potentially be in the house um a lot of his old um teammates 
I think they did this game on purpose for Jeff Carter. Yeah, no, I think that's, you're, you're probably exactly right. And, and unfortunately, because of the way Karts has played this year, I imagine most Penguin fans probably want him to just go ahead and stay out there. Um, <laughs> not a lot. And people in Colorado aren't happy with him these days either because of the right. hit on Kale McCarr the other night. So yeah. th- this, this brings about an interesting question, though, because we're talking about Dustin Brown. We're talking about Jeff Carter. And I look at the roster and I see a Kings team that somehow two things are going on that don't make sense to me. First of all, they are at a negative goal differential, but still solidly in playoff position. They're the only team in the league with a negative goal differential, but still solidly in playoff positioning. And also, at the same time, this is a team that has done something that a lot of Penguin fans have wanted to see happen to their sort of dynastic roster in that they've gotten younger while holding on to some of the core pieces of the franchise. I see Andre Kopitar. I see Jonathan Quick. I see Drew Doughty are all still out there. But somehow this has become the fifth youngest team in the league. The Penguins, the oldest team in the league. They've stuck with Crosby and Malkin and Latang, but still have not been able to turn things over to the next generation, so to speak. How have the Kings done it and still remained competitive? Credit where credit is due. Rob Blake, Luke Robitaille, they, they've they drafted very well these last few years. We've got a great system going. Um, but like you said, we have those leaders that were on the cup runs with Kopitar, with Dowdy, with Quick. I think those are our last ones left now. Mm-hmm. The Brown's gone. Um, <clears throat> and then you've got that middle range that we've had come up, like Adrian Kempe, Alex Iafalo. Uh, we got Brandon Lemieux a few years ago. And then this young group of guys like Gabe Velarde, um, Blake Lazat just kind of running out here. Quentin Byfield mm-hmm. um, acquired Kevin Fiala. He's been huge for us. Our all-star out there, Trevor Moore, who hopefully we'll see play in this game. I'm not sure. I think he's still might be out for this one. Um, but yeah, a lot of good young guys that are coming up and really <clears throat> doing big things for this Kings team. Um, I know ever since the cup, they've kind of been in what seems like a rebuilding phase. The last few years I've been with the working for the team since 2018. Um, those first few seasons I was with them, they weren't great. Um, last year was the first year really where we saw some, you know, light at the end of the tunnel. We made the playoffs. Um, and everyone said then that we were kind of like a year too early. So I'm curious to see what happens this season. Um, I think right now we're wild card team at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, we dropped down a little bit going into the all-star break. We were one or two in the division, but, um, took a few L's going into all-star break, but I know they'll get right back in it. Um, it's a very close race in the Pacific division, but yeah, all these young guys have really contributed to this team and, and come up big when they, we need them to. Yeah. And that's the one thing again, that is, is kind of impressive is again, the numbers may not be all that pretty, the negative goal differential and a couple other things, but to, to keep the core, some of the core guys around, and still be able to get young and still be, like you said, I mean, they're closer to the top of the division than they are to being out of the playoffs, just three points behind Vegas, five points ahead of Calgary. So they're in a good spot. Um, th- this might be a little bit of, uh, you know, something Ron Hextall, who was a part of the organization at one point in the past, could could learn from is how the Kings have been able to turn things over. So we'll see how it goes Saturday night. We will settle in for a long pregame ceremony <laughs> and uh, get ready. We'll, we'll, 
I don't know. We'll, we'll get a pot of coffee on late or something out that's, here. To... That's tough for you East Coast people. I did not it think is. about that. It is. We're not going to get to bed before two o'clock, but that's all right. It, it's <laughs> if the Penguins can can if if their third period against Colorado the other night was actually a turning point and not just a flash in the pan, we'll feel good about what they can do with this road trip out there in Cali. And and they're hope- coming off a of back to back. Yeah, well, yeah, it'll be the second half of a back-to-back. We'll see. Uh, maybe Tristan Jari back in the lineup, but probably not. It could be Dustin Tokarski in net if Casey DeSmith gets the start in Anaheim Friday. A lot of different things going into it, but um, settle in, I guess, for the long pregame ceremony, which I'm sure you'll be a part of, Kayla. Enjoy it, and uh, thanks for doing this and for giving us a couple minutes. Of course, Chris, anytime. Great talking with you. Yep, you too. Enjoy it. Uh, Kayla Canaram, in arena host for the LA Kings, joining us here on Fifth Avenue Faceoff. Ducks, Kings, Sharks, big road trip out west for the Pens. You know, Eric Tangrady and I talked about it earlier in the week. I think you got to have four points out of these three games. At first, it was four points out of the the four-game quadrant, I guess, for lack of a better way to put it, quartet coming out of the break, including the Colorado game. But now, I'll be honest, I'm getting greedy. They got two out of Colorado. Get four more out west. Uh, Get me two against the Ducks and two against the Sharks. And we'll kind of chalk up Saturday night as whatever it is, it is depending on who's in net, whether Jari's back, whether it's Tokarski, whether Tokarski plays against the Ducks or not. We'll see how it all shakes out, but that would be big. If this team could get six points out of their first four games out of the break, that puts them, I would imagine, not just ahead of the Capitals. They're already ahead on a points per game pace of the Capitals, but also brings back into the realm of possibility, maybe chasing down the Rangers for the third spot in the Metro and not having to play either Carolina or Boston in the first round of the playoffs. But again, first round of the playoffs might not matter so much on opponent as much as who's in goal. Very valuable point made by Scott Burnside at the top of the podcast. We'll do it again on Monday. I'll have Eric Tangrady back in the fold. Also, my good friend, my pal, Dave, Dave Damashek will join me. Uh, on Monday. He's out in LA, so he'll be able to give us a West Coast perspective on how the road trip is going as well. And we'll get you ready for that game Tuesday night against the San Jose Sharks. Don't forget, you can also go back, download the old episodes because lots of stuff like our conversation with Dave Hansen, our conversation with Jesse Marshall, Sean Gentili, all of it. I'll be honest, it stays pretty relevant based on everything going on with the Penguins and around the league. So subscribe, if nothing else. Make sure you get your newest episodes first inside your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. And thanks again for joining Fifth Avenue Faceoff.